Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. But isn't life good? You, can, you know, it's what you make of it. Uh, whether you make it fun, whether you make it dull, whether you make it, it's how much you invest in life. And uh, this is what I love about, you know, we're coming into the season, a glorious mess, is uh, the church is just made up of, uh, of us. I don't know, if you ever looked in the mirror and like, I look in the mirror and I go, damn, I'm so good looking. Anyone else like that? But actually, when you look a little bit deeper, you look and you go, you know what, there is maybe a few issues there. And I'm talking about the internal side, you know, sometimes there's, and so when we get together, you know, sometimes there's just a collective, you know, bit of glorious mess here. And that's what the church is about. Imperfect people helping imperfect people is what? God's perfect plan. That's what I find. And that's the glorious mess. That, that's what it's about. But who knows when you've got imperfect people, you know, in one perfect place, um, helping each other out, is that sometimes people are going to get offended. No. no. It's just like family. Like, honestly, how many of us get offended with family? Okay, just my family? I'm sorry, I'm glad, well, okay, I'm coming to your place for dinner. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you've got the in-laws and whatever. And, you know, when family get together, there's, you know, there's a chance that there'll be offence. There'll be a chance that someone will leave the family barbecue offended. A couple of you are thinking right now, yeah, that happened yesterday. Well, actually, no, actually, that's going to happen today after lunch. We know it. Like, you know, you, you, but, you know, when we get together, there's, and I'll say this, you know, if you've been coming for a while, there is a chance that I would have offended you. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> you know, but there is a chance that I will offend But if you haven't been offended yet, just keep coming. It eventually will happen. And I'll either get an email or you'll talk to me after or whatever. I'm happy for that. But I just want to put that disclaimer in, in there right now. I, I know that some of you this morning have already been offended just as you parked your car. Oh, the car park's always full. Who would always come to church? Like, honestly, I've had to park on the grass. Like, you know, you're offended right there. You walk up the stairs and you're like, there's this big tank there. It's like, who put a big tank in front of the stairs? You know, like, honestly, I normally climb up that side of the stairs. Like, who would do that? You walk through the front door and there's someone happy. How are you going? They're shaking your hand and you're like, no one should be that happy on a Sunday. You know, what is this? Or, you know, these things, don't they know that I actually like a fist pump or I like a high five? I hate shaking hands. Like, oh, sorry, we didn't know. You know, all of a sudden you're offended. <laughs> well, the other one is there's someone new on the door and they shake your hand and they go, hey, how long have you been coming for? You know, you were the first one here in this church. You laid the first brick. <laughs> You know, and it's like, how dare they? Don't they know who I am? Don't they know how long I've been here? But then you, they didn't meet you. They go to the five o'clock service. They're serving at the 10.15. Like all of a sudden, you know, you've got a fence because they didn't know you. <laughs> Get over it. And then you walk through the door. And because we've got a baby dedication with all the new families, it's great having you here. But unfortunately, you're sitting in their seat right now. <laughs> People, like we're creatures of habit. We have certain seats in which we sit. And, oh, God forbid anyone sit in your seat. Like, honestly, you've been coming for, you've been paying, to, you paid for that seat. I paid for that seat. Every week I pay my tithe. That's where I sit. 
And now there's a new person because why? New people come early. Yeah. <laughs> Members come late. Wow. Just putting it out there, just some. <laughs> but all of a sudden, like, because they're, they're there, they're on time, and now you're, you've decided you've had to sit in the back row. Now you're sitting next to someone you don't know. Or, better still, the seat behind where you normally sit is vacant, so you sit there. Yeah, yeah. And during the praise and worship experience, you're there. You're in my seat. You're not praising God. You're like, No, I thought you were in intense worship, but it's like, Rrr. And then all of a sudden you sit down and you're staring him in the back of the head. You're giving him the death stare right now. You're like, how dare you? But, you know, sometimes we take offense. But when I look at that, it's offense over a preference. It's just a preference. There's really nothing to get offended at. But yet sometimes we hold these offenses. We hold these offenses. Wherever there's a crowd, there's going to be some offense. I want to say today is that, you know, we live in this day and age where, you know, it's so easy for us to get offended. I'm just going to say, get over it. Like, yes, some things hurt. Some things are... But sometimes we've got to realize that sometimes they don't realize they've caused that an offense. And so we take it upon ourselves and it eats away at us and doesn't even actually affect those around us. It doesn't actually affect those that have caused us offense because they don't know. And so how easy would it be if we come in and we just go, you know what, that's just a preference. What would happen if we walked into church and we're like, great, look, look at this big tank, it's huge. We're going to have some water baptisms today. Someone's found God. Someone's realized or had a revelation of salvation and they've decided to give their life to God and they've decided to make it a public demonstration. How awesome is that? You walk through the door and it's like, hey, I don't know you, but you're smiling. You don't even know my name, but wait. Oh, okay, I'll give you a handshake. It's awesome. Great to have you here. Great. Oh, wow, the, the church has grown. I don't even, whoa, someone's in my seat. Whoa, there's a chance for relationship. You know, whoa. And all of a sudden you come with a different perspective. Instead of that of preference and that of offense, you come with, you know what, I'm going to change someone's world today. I'm actually going to be the church that God's called us to be, loving. You know, James 1 verse 19, it says, My dearly loved brothers, understand this. I love that statement. Understand this. In other words, understand this. Get this. Get it. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How many things would be improved if we just maybe added those things to our life? If we just added those things to our life? You know, someone's here right now saying, well, you, know, you could walk into this place and the preference is, is that, and my wife right now is speaking at Carindale, but you could be like, well, I don't believe in women's prayer. That's a preference. I take offense to that. Or I take offense that the pastor is young. Or I take offense that the pastor actually doesn't wear a tie. Or if you come at night, whoa, the pastor wears a T-shirt. I'm offended. You know, but, but sometimes it's just preference. But what happens if we just stop and we just start to hear the hearts of those around us? We start to hear the hearts of those close to us. You know, the way we deal with offense and disappointment will determine our future. The way you deal with offense and appoint, uh, disappointment will determine our future. 
If we don't deal with offence, offence will deal with you. Unfortunately, I see too many people taken out of church because they become offended. And a lot of the times it's just over preference. It's just over preference. I, I want to pray and I want to say today is don't let offence take you out of the kingdom. Don't let offence get in the way of relationship. Don't let offence take you out. Offence is the greatest tool the devil has to stop what God wants to do in us and through us. What God wants to do in us and through us. Don't take offence. As Christians, I believe that we need to guard against preconceived offences. We need to guard against them. We need to guard against them. So this morning, I just want to give a couple of points uh, in these moments that we have on uh, how to guard against offence. The first one is, is that we need to check our heart regularly. We need to check our heart regularly. When, when that thing hits, we've got to go, am I right? What is my heart like? What is my heart right now? Proverbs 4, 22 to 25, or we'll just do 23. It says, keep your heart with, do, with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Our heart, our heart is what keeps us. Our heart is what keeps us on track. We need to make sure that our heart is always in tune and in line with God. We need to always check our heart. Keep your heart with all due diligence. My question today is, what is the posture of your heart? What is the posture of your heart? Attitudes can creep in at first and can be nothing, but over time can be the difference between life and death spiritually. Attitudes, those things can creep in. You know, if our heart is off kilt, then everything that we do and say will be off kilt. Heart. When was the last time you had a heart checkup? When was the last time you had a heart check? You know, I find today that there are a lot of people that I speak with and they go get heart checkups. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not really that diligent with heart checkups. The first heart checkup I had, um, I didn't even really ask for it. It was a time where I was sick and at home and I'd been sick for a couple of days and, and my head was just thumping and I had a man cold. Let's just face it. I can diagnose myself. And here I am, I've got this cold and, and I'm saying to Caroline, you know what, it'll be over in a couple of days. She's like, you've had it for three days, go to the doctor. I don't need no doctor. You know, those things, you know, that attitude that you give your wife on those moments. And, and so anyway, so she forced me to go and do it. I'm like, okay, 15 minutes, I'll be there. You know, went there, sat down. The doctor goes, well, what's wrong? And I'm, I'm telling you, like, you know what, I've got a head cold. I, I've got a head cold. You know, this is the thing that I normally get. And at certain times, you know, it really hurt, you know, these things. And he's like, okay. So he checks me over and he's like, oh, yeah, ears are all fine. Everything's all fine. I'm like, no, no, mate, I've got a head cold. He's like, no, no, you're all fine. And then he's there, he's looking at his computer, he's like, ah, you know what I reckon it is? I reckon you've got some heart issues. I said, mate, my head is hurting, not my heart. <laughs> I know when I've got a head. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to give you an, no, no, I'm pretty sure, no, no. And so, like within, I don't know, five minutes, he's like, well, you know what? This is what you're going to do. And next minute, I'm out the back lying on a bed and all these things are connected up to me. Meanwhile, I'm only going to be taking 15 minutes, two hours later, 
I've got all these missed calls where Caroline is like, where are you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, she's all this worried. She's like, you only went to the doctor for a head cold. You know, after all that, the report came back saying that I had a healthy heart. I said, mate, I told you, all I've got is a head cold. Can I please just have what I... But, you know, sometimes we need to just take time and check our heart. Anyone ever been to the doctors for something and you walk out with something else? You have to be so careful with them, guys. <laughs> Honestly. But I remember going home and he was like, oh, mate, yeah, I think you've just got a head cold. I'm like, I told you that like an hour and a half ago. But some of us, we just need a head... You know, sometimes we just need a heart check. We need a heart check. You know, we need to check our heart. You know, I love the story of Job, a man who had everything and then he lost everything. If you read through the scriptures, you find a man that was tested by the devil. You know, his sons and his daughters and his livestock, everything was taken away from him. He was a wealthy man. And the devil rocks up and, and talks to God and God's saying, have you seen my servant Job? He is a good and faithful man. And, and the devil's like, well, just let me at him. Let me take a few things from him. And I guarantee you, he will curse you. And God's like, well, okay then. You can have anything you want, but you can't touch him. You can't touch him. You can't take his life. And so all of a sudden in this story, and if you start to read through the book of Job, everything is taken away from him except his wife except his wife. And here's Job in Job 1, 21 to 22. And everything is gone. And he said, you know, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sing nor charge God with wrong. In other words, he never got offended. You can do whatever you want to me. You can take whatever you want, but I'm not going to be offended with you, God. I'm just going to praise you. I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to bless your holy name. And here's this man. Everything is taken away from him. He's being tempted. He's being tried. And he is there. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to bless your name, God. I'm just going to bless it. And he's there. And then his wife comes to him. His wife that was left to him comes and says, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Honestly, in that moment, I don't know what was going through Job's head. But maybe he might have asked, God, you didn't take enough. But anyway, those things <laughs> happen. But his wife's there telling him that and it's like, Everything, and sometimes everything will be coming against you in the world. And the last thing is you need is family coming again. And it's like, God, I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to be here. But he cries out, blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all that, he never sinned with his lips. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's there. He's still speaking. He's like, God, you know what? Here I am. My heart is still pure. For us, we need to cry out and say, God, my heart is still pure. Lord God, my heart is still with you. Uh, Luke 6, verse 45, it says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of their heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of his heart, keep your heart with all 
diligence. What's the state of your heart? When adversity comes, when trials come, what is the state of your heart? When you start to get in that pressure cooker moment, what is the state of your heart? We need to understand, we need to make sure, we need to, with all diligence, protect our heart. Guard our heart. Guard our heart. If you want to know the state of your heart, listen to your words. Listen to the words to your wife. Listen to the words to your husband. Listen to the words that you speak over your kids. What is the state of your heart? Have a heart check. Check your heart. The second thing is this, is check you're in right relationship. You know, we need to check our heart, but then also, too, we need to check that we're in right relationship with God and we're in right right relationship with others. God's economy, I, I say this all the time, God's economy is not money. God's economy is relationship. God's economy is relationship. It's relationship with you and I, and it's relationship with others. God's economy is relationship. How are your relationships? What are your relationships centered around? Our relationships, I believe this, relationships need to be nurtured. They need to be nurtured. Relationships need to be nurtured. They need to be invested into. We need to invest into relationships. We need to be investing into our vertical relationship. Our vertical relationship is with God. Do you invest into your relationship with God? Do you pull away and really try to work out what is God saying? How is God speaking to me? Do you have those relationships? The other one that we need to nurture is the horizontal relationship, relationship with others. I find this, the relationship with God is that the spiritual life is first of all a life. It is not merely something to be known and studied. It is to be lived. It's also to be lived. Is that when you study the Word of God, when you look through the Word of God, do you outwork the Word of God? Do you live the Word of God? Do you take hold of the principles of the Word of God? Do you apply them to your life? Through the Bible, God communicates to us. Right now in the Bible, God speaks to us. He tells us of His ways. He tells us of His, of his principles. He tells us of His love for humanity. From the front cover to the back cover, it's all about relationship. It's all about connecting humanity back with its creator. That was God's desire. God's desire from the start of time was to walk with us in the garden, was to have communion with us, to communicate, to have relationship. That's His desire. His desire today is to have relationship with each and every one of us. But it takes us acknowledging Him first. It takes us connecting with him first. So through his Bible, God communicates to us. Through prayer, we communicate to God. Through prayer, through coming to that moment and saying, God, here I am. I'm just here to listen to you. Well, God, here I am. How's your day? I just want to tell you about my day. He knows, but he still wants communication. He wants us to speak, acknowledge. He wants us to be there. Are you in relationship with God regularly? I just don't know what God says about... I don't know what God says... Well, have you read His Word? Have you read His Word? Have you been to Him in prayer? Our vertical relationship is the one to be valued above all else. It's the one to be valued above all else. But when it comes to our horizontal relationship, others is just as important. 
is the first one is relationship with him, but then those you hang around, you become like. Last week, I, I had a statement that I made. And it says this, if you sleep with dogs, you're going to get fleas. If you sleep with dogs, you're going to get, in other words, who you hang around, you become like. How are your vertical relationships? How are your vertical relationships? Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, become wise by walking with wise, hang out with fools and watch your life fall into pieces. Some of us wonder why our lives fall into pieces. Maybe because we're hanging out in the wrong circles. Maybe we've got the wrong people around our life. Maybe, maybe we've got the wrong influences around us. Our friendships determine the direction and the quality of our life. Your friendship circles will determine the direction and the quality of your life. I, I can't afford to have people that will pull me back. You can't afford to have people that will hold you back. We need to have people that will propel us into our future. Genu genuine friendships move in a positive, mutually beneficial direction. That's what they do. That's what they do. I always look for people around my life and, and even with my kids, I make sure I place them in an area that is going to move them forward. Like I have four kids. Four. Yes, I know I look too young, but I have four. And they range from 13 right down to five. But I want to tell you this thing right now is that I pick their friends. I pick their friends. I pick their circles in which they run. Why? Because I have their best interest at heart. Because I have their best interest at heart. Because I, ha I want to see them reach their full potential that God has for their life. And I can't afford to have someone with another opinion coming past, giving them an opinion that will take them out of the race. I need to make sure that the values that I hold true to are being reinforced by the friendship circles in which they run. Now, life is too short. They're too valuable for me just to let them go. Whatever, whatever. And so I need to put stuff around their life. I need to make sure that they're in the right friendship circles because at this point in stage, as they grow up, they can't see which friendship circles will propel them into the potential that God has for them. And so we need to be vigilant at these things. This is why I like baby dedications, because what we're saying is, God, we're going to raise these young ones in your ways, but we're going to protect them. We're going to make sure that they become all that you want them to be. We're going to make sure that they can succeed in life. We're going to make sure that you know, they can move into where you want them to be. And so what it's doing is saying, oh, we're just stewards of these young lives. I'm a steward of these young lives. And so when I come to pick my friends, I need to be careful as well. Because my friends are going to influence their lives. My friends are going to influence their life. Because what's going to happen is parents, we've got to realize this, our kids look up to us. Parents, you're their hero. You're their hero. And so as they look up to you, what are you demonstrating? What are you modeling? Those that you hang around right now, they look at your friends. And they look at them, warts and all, and they assess what they're like. They assess, assess what they do. And so what you need to do is what do you want to put them? Who do you want to put around 
their life. We need to check our friendships regularly. Is this friendship benefiting both parties? Is it just a give-give or a take-take? Or is it a give and take? Is the relationship pushing me into the purposes of God? Does your, do your relationships push you into the purposes of God? Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, and it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another. You know, we should be considering those around us. Let us consider one another, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. In, in other words, not forsaking the assembly of the saints, some versions put it. In other words, the church, the moments like today, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As you see the day approaching, exhort one another. In other words, are you encouraging those around you? Are you encouraging the ones beside you? Are you stirring up their faith? Are you demonstrating who God is in your life to them? Are you speaking about the ways of God? Are you declaring the ways of God? When we are in right, right relationship with those around you, it's harder to take an offence. It's harder to take an offence. Right relationship. Because you know they've got the best interests at heart. They've got the best interests at heart. Don't let offence stop us from receiving the best God has for our life. Don't let offence stop you. Check your heart regularly. Check your in right relationship with God and with others. Today, church, what relationships right now that you need to assess? What are those relationships? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's just friendship circles. Are they holding you back or are they propelling you? Are they moving you into the areas that God wants you to move? Are they building your life? Are they stirring up, as Hebrews said, are they stirring up love? Are they stirring up good works? Are they stirring up those things that are wholesome and true? And how's your heart? How is your heart? What are the words that you speak? How is your heart? James. 119, my dear friend, or my dearly beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. <coughs> Stop, check, speak. Stop, check, speak. What are those things you need to work on today? What are those things you maybe need to just lay along? Lay on the side of the road today. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.